You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Thank you for joining me and Ryan. Teus, Ryan, greetings. Hello. Hi. Uh, I'm happy that you've chosen to listen to this podcast today. A lot of people are um, loyal listeners out there, my lovable patrons that love the show and support it and supporting it for years and um, making it possible for us to continue recording. And uh, if you want to become a patron and support the podcast, if you like it and you want to support a podcast you like, patreon.com slash inside of you p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash inside of you i'll send you a message there's a lot of perks you get uh shout outs every episode on the podcast you get uh, to ask questions and there's merch boxes and zooms and youtube lives and merch discounts and a bunch of stuff it's really a more 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 so a family oriented um platform uh, for friends people who like a community it's not just supporting the podcast but it's a, a, an amazing community i didn't really say that particularly but i don't care um just to tell you a few things before you fast forward um tom and i will be in dc uh september 27th and the weekend before that we're in salt lake city we're doing an event like uh, the tom and michael show and we read scripts and it's a blast get tickets to those events you could go to my link tree on Instagram. It's a link, and it will tell you everything I'm doing, cameos, Patreon. Uh, and most importantly, I'd like to talk about the live podcast. If you li- like the show, you want to support it, or if you're in the area in Los Angeles on October 11th, 7 p.m. at the Regent Theater, it's me and Zach Levi. It's the Inside of You podcast live for the first time ever. So far, tickets are doing all right. We're, we're selling tickets. Nice. You know? Cool. I, I said, gosh, I hope 50 people come. But honestly, I mean, if if a hundred and fifty people came, I'd be happy, right? That'd be got that'd be that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome, man. Jesus. So <laughs> look, get tickets. There's also a meet and greet with Zach and I. If you want to come to that, it's October 11th, 7 p.m. Get your tickets on the link tree in my bio. Um, and if you want to support this podcast, continue to do so. The handles, Ryan, at inside of you pod on Twitter, at inside of you podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's correct. And you can write a review, which really helps the algorithms and all that stuff. Um, great uh, guest today. In fact, Bryce, my producer, emailed me and said that this was one of his favorites. This is really a kick-ass episode. And uh, I don't. I, I remember it being good, but I don't remember it being like because when you're in it, you don't really think about that stuff. I, in fact, I forget. I forget everything. Yeah. And uh, apparently, we went really deep. And Anthony was so kind. And what's funny is he came here a week early. By accident, he goes, hey, uh, Anthony. I go, yeah, I, I, I don't know an Anthony. It's Anthony Lepaglia. Hey, hey, hold on a second. I went downstairs. He's like, yeah, I'm here for the podcast. I'm like, yeah, it's not till next week. He goes, oh, all right, I'll, I'll come back. I go, you're going to come back, though, right? He goes, yeah, 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 I'll come back. He's so cool and so, like, just, <laughs> he, he's just got his own thing, man. I wish I was that cool. I wish I was half as cool as Anthony Lepaglia. I need a cool name like Anthony Lepaglia. Michael Rosenbaum. Well, nope. you say it like that, it sounds cool. Michael Rosenbaum, Anthony LaPaglia in Michael Mann's The City Never Sleeps. <laughs> I bet there's been a movie called that. All right. Um, One or two. Great episode. I hope you enjoy it. We talk about everything without a trace, Empire Records, uh, everything. Uh, he's an open book, and I think you're going to really like it. So without further ado, let's get inside of Anthony LaPaglia. It's my point of view. Listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. 
Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hey folks, wanted to highlight something important before today's episode. In case you weren't aware, myself and many of the guests are on strike alongside SAG, AFTRA, and WGA. Today's episode and any we air before the strike ends were recorded before it began. So this is just a heads up in relation to some for the topics we may discuss. If you want more info on the strike, visit SAGAfterStrike.org. Now let's get into it. To be honest, this is the first like real kind of podcast I've ever done. Is that true? Are we rolling? Mm -hmm. Did you hear that? We got that, what he just said. <laughs> this is really like the first podcast? Yeah, this is the first podcast I've ever done. Why? Um... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know why I said yes to you. I think because of Larson Thompson, who yes, you worked with. Yes, that's exactly with. why. Because I really like her. She's a good kid. Yeah, what did you work with? It's, it's tough, though, because the guy I made the movie with, I've known him for 30 years, the right. director, writer. Right. And I did stuff with him when I was very young. And... um. I don't know. As time went on, we stayed friends, but I wasn't going to do this movie. Right. But his actor, I was. he asked me about someone else, and I was telling him, I'll ask for you. Pearl. He, he told me a bit about it, but to be honest, the last time we had worked together, it started to get a bit strained. Ty. To my Ty West? The director was... Bobby Ross and look, we uh, we've been we were fr friends for a, a good chunk of time, and we're still friends. But stuff happens in life, and you kind of I don't know either you see things more clearly or you see things that you ignored before. You can say the same thing about me. I don't know. He wouldn't. He's he's an incredibly nice man, but he's uh, oversharer. Over. You know, he's an oversharer. <laughs> well, he thinks that I don't need to know, and the things that like <laughs> make it hard for me, you know. And, and, but hey, it's just an overshare with me. He has a blog where he overshares with everybody. I've never asked him about it. When I you say overshares, what do you mean? Because Ryan, when you say I overshare, no, you sh you share. You're open, but I think there I, I think there's a line that you don't cross with right, oversharing. This line gets crossed. <laughs> yeah. Like like he's in Dragoon. He's a tap dancer in Dragoon. He's like, um, he's he overthinks everything and he journals everything that happens and some of it is like, bro, just roll it back. I mean, I'm glad you want your life to be an open book, but like I have to I had to stop reading them. You send them to everybody. It'd be a big blast out, you know. Is it yeah, is it one of those things where like I remember I was at Disney World with my my family. And I was videotaping everything, everything. And my uncle goes, why don't you just enjoy real life? This is my whole thing, okay? Because I'm from a generation, I'm an old fucker now. So, you know. You're not I'm, that old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 60, 64, 63, 64. They look good. Yeah, all right. You, you know, formaldehyde does wonders. And so <laughs> they got me out of the vat this morning. And so... um I, uh, you know, I grew up in the era. I don't want to sound like that. Uh, when I was growing up, they had the Model T. But I, I grew up in an era where there was no cell phones. I mean, there wasn't a flip phone. There Me was too. There was your parents 
avocado green or burnt orange phone with a rotary and a <laughs> long you know, cord a, lo a long one, cord and one line in yeah and you know if i was on the phone when my old man got home it was get off you know there was no privacy and so it's such a different world now and i'm i'm actually i look at it more from like a science project because i have a 20 year old daughter who's never known uh, uh, not having not uh, having iPhones around, she's never known that. I don't think you, I think you haven't. Have you? I was born in 1988, so I, okay, I all right. Things. You're not yeah. that young. No, 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 fuck off. Still young. I was born a lot later. <laughs> <laughs> twenty years ago. Um, yeah, she just turned twenty, and, and she, and so she doesn't know. And so she would genuinely sit there and say to me, "How did you ever get anything? I mean, how did you ever go to a party?" How did you ever, you know, know what was going on? I said, I was, I was young, I was dumb, and I was really happy. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And somebody, I run into somebody when I was, you know, younger, a teenager, whatever. I'd run into somebody on the street, and they go, hey, there's a party Friday night or Saturday night. It's here. Be there, whatever. And You just showed up. I, if I remembered... Because somewhere between Tuesday and Saturday, there were so many other options. I probably didn't go or forgot it or whatever. Right. But if I did end up going, there were quite a few times you showed up and the party wasn't there anymore. And and um, uh, uh, and she said, well, what would you do? I'd say, well, you know, I just, whatever party was going on there, wasn't the original one, but I would just go into that. You know, and just yeah. chill out. That was the time. There was something fun about that. Like my friends would say, hey, you want to go see that movie tonight? I'll meet you there at seven. Yeah. And you hope they're there. And sometimes they don't show. And that, to me, actually was more exciting than the yeah. I was actually going to see, I think. And um, But this was when I was living in New York, right? So a bit easier on the street there. So the jungle drums went out. And I lived in... East Village, West Village. So I'd always run into somebody who knew somebody who was throwing the party or or whatever event it was or, you know, when I say party, I mean, that's really kind of a loose term. It was basically a bowl of cocaine. And, and uh, you know, this is the 80s, the 90s. Really? So that's you saw a lot of that? Oh, man. Everybody was doing it. You know, I would walk into some place. In fact, if I didn't know any, if, if the people that invited me weren't there, it was no problem because there would be, oh, dirt broke. So um, I would walk in there and nine times out of 10, there wouldn't be just like some cocaine there. There would be a bowl of cocaine that looked at a little, little tip of Mount Everest <laughs> in the middle of the table and nobody was guarding it. So you just help yourself. So you you got involved in that. You, you Absolutely. Of uh, in fact, when I left the party, I was broke. So when I left the party, I would find a piece of paper somewhere, fold it up, and then kind of shave the top of the bowl off and put it into the paper. Save it for later snacking. Absolutely. I absolutely would save it for later. Or if somebody else, a friend of mine, wanted some, I wouldn't sell it to them because I stole it. <laughs> I stole it. I mean, if I if I had stayed there long enough, I probably would have done it. But, um, but did you have an addictive personality? Were you someone who just kind of did it when you did it, but did you ever have a problem? Do you know, I, for many years, I did not. For many years, same with the alcohol. Um, I, I'm, I, even now, 
I can drink. Uh, I don't drink that much because I don't get that much enjoyment out of it because I find it very hard to get drunk. So I can drink um, three, bar- three quarters of a bottle of mezcal and I'm fine. And everybody else around me, I realize, is completely fucked up. Because I drink it, I drink it straight up. Look, I, I don't, I don't, and same with vodka. Is that this, just the Australian blood? No. <laughs> what it's is that? Because I'm an Itai, you know, like uh, I'm an Italian. And Italians are not notoriously big, you know, not competent drinkers. They're not. They have a couple of glasses of wine and they start crying about their dead mother and, <laughs> and all the things that went wrong in their life. Very emotional. And right. I have a very even thing. The thing with cocaine that's really, for many years, I was just a recreational user. If I could, I couldn't afford it. So if I found it, I would use it or whatever. I couldn't afford to actually buy the stuff. Um, even back then when I think it was like, you know, a nickel a bag or something, it was pretty cheap. Before the And at the risk of sounding like such an old asshole, were way better. All the drugs were way better. Because they the were drugs. pure. Man, I tried everything, you know. Heroin? Not, it's the one, I did it accidentally. I, I, <laughs> it accidentally put a needle no, in your no, 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 no. It was powder. Right, right. And I was in a dark room, and it was kind of a beige color. And I didn't realize. I thought it was coke. <laughs> How <laughs> much did that mess you up? It didn't too much. I, I went to sleep. That's all. I smoked heroin by accident, too. I know everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, Anthony accidentally did it. Michael accidentally did it. Well, I never did, did it again. I never did it again either. I was either. afraid of that drug. But I did it. I smoked something, and afterwards, I started feeling really weird. My buddy goes, yeah, they laced it with a little heroin. I go, what? And I remember this sensation of like the best feeling I've ever had, and then it turned into me puking on the streets. Well, that's what—that's the thing. It, it, it Usually, it's the other way around. You puke first, and then have the best feeling you've ever had. You seem to have the reverse. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't well, well I, I was always scared of certain drugs like that. Yeah, and it was the needle aspect. I don't like needles. No, I don't like that. You go uh, down that road. I like drugs that are like. But back then, you know, like you had like a couple choices. You had coke, you had benzos, and you had um, pot. Uh, I no, I never liked pot. I never smoked it. Um, whenever I smoke it, this is what happens to me when I have because my daughter loves a puff, and <laughs> I've tried her stuff. For Jesus Christ, this stuff is so strong. Yeah, I get. So I'm paranoid. Me. I get paranoid. I get on the couch. I pull a blanket over my head, <laughs> and I lay there until it's over. Yeah, it's no fun. Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore, and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got rocket money. Okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period, it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. 
before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy, oh, the weeks where I miss a session, of course, yeah, yeah, it's just it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up, and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small, and at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside yeah i i don't I, i'm not a big pot smoker i don't drink much i you know we were no. talking about smoking i was i'm trying to stop doing that i it just became like a little bit of a habit i'm like what the hell you should do the little black ones too what were they called um, cloves no no there's a, there's a black kind of a gel thing that you would pop uh loot not loot yeah maybe Lutz. maybe a loot i've never had a yeah Lutz. yeah yeah that's so 70s bro oh, 80s Lutz, do you know what man. happened and, and ecstasy was excellent ecstasy was back in the day oh, no, I guess. no 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 i didn't try ecstasy until the 90s and i was I actually was in san francisco i'm not gonna say what i was doing but i was doing a movie in san francisco and somebody said oh you gotta try this it's called x because all the pills were marked with an X. Right. And um, so I went, sure, I'll try that. And uh, honest to God, uh, it was like the best, best feeling ever. And you can't ever get that feeling back. Well, it's not just that. I did get it back a few times in San Francisco. <laughs> but you feel like shit for a few days. 
Jeez, you are like like nothing phases this guy. No, I like except that. kidney stones. Kidney stones got me this week. Yeah, stuff like that gets me. Like oh man, shit. But what 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 is kidney? I heard kidney stones is like as bad as pregnancy. I would never insult a woman by saying it, it, it must be what it's like to give birth, but it's what it must be like to give birth. <laughs> it's how what it what hurts. I could not. It, it, well, you know, you where your where your kidneys are, you're passing one or two little rocks. They're only small. How many times has this happened to you? This is my second time in yeah, my whole life. Do you have to go to the hospital? The first time I did, this time I knew what it was. And so I just, I knew I had to just ride it out until they dissolve or pass or whatever. But it's bad pain. It's like you cannot move pain. And it oh. just, it's unrelenting. And it's, it, and I've, I apologize to any women watching who've had children, but I really empathize. It must be, it must be a fifth of what they go through. Yeah. But, but it's, if it's anything like that. You guys, what causes it? Do we know? Yeah, I don't really want to say. <laughs> it's Food? kind of like, no, it's, it is, it is, it is related to diets. And, and I'm notoriously bad with drinking water. Like I should be drinking, you know. You want know. a bottle? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I, you know, you're supposed to drink like eight glasses a day. I never and do all that. this stuff, and you know, my grandmother will be ninety-five in June. She drinks Blanche. scotch every day. No, she goes like this. She, goes, I always, you need to drink more water. I haven't drank water in ninety-five years. Why? I'm look at me. Do I need water? <laughs> you look at her and go a little bit. <laughs> you look a little dehydrated. A little bit. Your skin's a little dry. You know, but, uh, and when I do drink, you know what it is? It just, like, I, I know it's great and everything, but it bores me. Yeah. Just drinking it, I start to, like, nod off. <laughs> worst, worst drinking thing. water, I nod no, off. I'm, I'm so off. bored with I'm water. so bored with water. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's amazing. You know, and so, but recently, because, I, you know, I've been a horror story the last five years in terms of diet and all that stuff why is that do you think that do you think that's psychological do you think that's sort of maybe depression do you think it's anxiety do you think it's like you know kind of a just a phase no i think it can be all those things and it can be all those things at the same time because um, i i deal with it too with uh you know you know the smoking and the th things because i'm self-destructive right well smoking was that was see i just seem to go from one one habit to another and then kind of solve that and then smoking was my other big vice that i did for many years and i tried so many times to quit i quit i remember once i quit for a year somebody said go and see this um he's quite famous you won't mind me plugging him because he has quite a success rate going on kerry gaynor and kerry's hilarious i've heard of him yeah. yeah kerry's hilarious he looks like a little bird he sits on this chair and his feet dangle from the from the chair and he's got like a, a big head of hair. And he's a hypnotist. He's a hypnotist. He's very intense. And um, he, and I was like, you, you listen, I'm not susceptible to hypnotism, blah, 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 blah. To be fair, the first time he did me, I was like, I'm not susceptible. I was out. It really? Actually, yeah, it actually kind of worked. And, um, and I saw him like three or four times and I quit smoking which everybody was completely shocked that i quit because i was on two packs a day 
So I, I'd quit for a year, and then I was, um, oh, how the hell the mighty fall. I was doing a movie in New York, and we're shooting in the Bronx, but I mean, like, they're really in the projects in the Bronx. Yeah. And, and they did not want us there because we were interfering with the drug trade and whatever else was going on there. And so we had to wear hard hats to the set because they'd be throwing shit off the, out of the windows. You know, all those big high-rise buildings they have and throw them out of the window and you'd be ducking stuff. Oh, Jesus. You know, they, they weren't happy to have you there. So we had to get some, some, some guy with a gang leader to go in and negotiate with them <laughs> to like not do it while we were shooting. Anyway, it was. It but was, you started smoking again there. Well, no, it wasn't that so much. It was, um, it was a small budget, and it was really a, a a tough schedule, and maybe one. I've done so much stuff. I think I've only ever had issues with the director three times, maybe, and this was one time. And it was a big one. It was what the issue? The issue a little bit. We, we were just okay. Here's what happened. Here's here's here's, here's when you know I was, it was I was doing it was with Viola Davis, and um, before she was you know Viola, she's massive now. Yeah, and I'm so happy for her because she's one of the nicest women I ever worked with in my life. Anyway, we're doing this movie and it was pretty low budge, and um, I was doing a scene uh, with Viola, and the director. Kept uh, the scene would stop and he'd say, "Oh, can you do it? Um, can you do it again?" And I'd be like, "Sure, what do you want?" Because so I'm pretty much like that. I don't mind. I love direction. Yeah, Money, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't say specifically what he wanted. Just do it again. Just do it again. And I thought, well, maybe it'll be different this time. So I do it again, and this this happened about four times. And then uh, I said to him, hey, "Listen, I, uh, I mean, you got to be more specific." I keep doing it, and I, I don't know what you want. And he was very frustrated, and he said, I, I, I just want you to do it the way. <laughs> oh, boy. The way the guy that did the auditions did it in the auditions. You mean the guy who reads? With I the, read it, yeah. The reader? The reader, yeah. This is what he says to an established he actor. He was very frustrated, and this is what he said. It came out, look, I could see it flying. You know, like something's flying out of people's mouths. And they're desperately trying to get him back. Are you a mind reader? <laughs> First no, of all. No, no, but he, that came out of his mouth. And I, I and I said to him, well, look, we're about a week in. You can always get him. Get him and he can do it. You know, if he was reading the lines better than me, then I suggest you get him. I don't want to screw up your movie. I don't get upset by stuff like that. So I just suggested he get the other guy. And, uh, and it kind of went downhill from there. And, uh, oh, man. I know. I've had, I've had but, you know, yeah. Hayden, Hayden Panettiere was in it. It was a good cast. What was it called? Do you remember? Mm, not saying. That's all right. It's a while, <laughs> it's a while back. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. Oh, but continue because you were, it had to do with smoking, right? Mm, yeah. And so on that movie, one night, you know, things were a bit tough during the film. And um, uh, the, the, the other guy, I think, was continually doing it better than better than me the guy from the reading and um so one night it's very late like two or three in the morning and, I, and i'm on the rooftop of one of these one of the project buildings and it's just me and a guy a grip is 
wrapping up cable and I see him just like light up oh, cigarette. And I looked at him and I said, you got a, you got a spare, spare one in my head. I'm going, I'm just going to have one. That's the thing. It's not going to hurt. That's it. From that one, I was on back on a pack within a week. Isn't that something? Yeah, after one year, not smoking. So then, you know, I went back so on, addictive. It's so back on the back on the smoking treadmill. Good. God. And then finally, yeah. What caused you to stop for good? Uh, I I I, I had <laughs> I was I was in an induced coma for for about five days. What? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. I really don't know. You just went into a coma. Yeah, I, I I was fine, and then I woke up in hospital. When was this? Uh, four or five years ago. Uh, that's got to be the most terrifying thing for you, your family. Oh, it was not good. It was just after my wedding. You had just gotten married. I just got married. And you went to a... Do you remember where you were when you when this happened? Apparently, I was in the house that we, we got married in Hawaii. And it was in the house in Hawaii. And uh, the night before, I'd gotten a bit rowdy, and I'd been throwing some relatives out of the house because they were behaving badly. And uh, <laughs> I got a bit tired, and I, I, I lay on the couch, apparently, and went to sleep. And it just looked like I was sleeping. And then um, my, my now wife noticed that I should have woken up by now, and I hadn't. So they... Um, yeah, cut a long story short. I ended up uh, in a hospital in Hawaii. And I was in an induced coma for six, seven days, something like that. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Did you lose did you brain damage? No. No? They didn't know. They didn't know anything. They weren't even sure. They were telling her, we're not sure he's coming out of it. And they don't know what caused it, really? Not really. They don't really, they're not really sure. But I think it was like, I run myself pretty hard. Do you know, like, How I, was, so? I, I was smoking then. I just, I don't sleep much. Um, you stress? When I, no, I'm not a stressor. But you don't sleep. It's weird. It's people that stress usually don't sleep. No, I just don't sleep. I like the night. And what I find is that my days are usually like kind of full with other people's shit. Like my shit. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah, but people, you know, like remember my family or my daughter, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, the stuff I like to do. And, I, and so like I find that my day isn't my day. But when it hits midnight and everyone's gone to bed, that's my time. And then I can just sit back, relax, don't have to think about work. Or anyone else. Or anyone else. And it depends. You know, in, initially I would read, but then, then my eyesight started getting a bit shitty. 
Um, and, uh, I love these stories. Yeah. My, so, I, mean, then, so I took to documentaries. And so that's I, all I watch, horror movies and documentaries. Yeah, but the, the horror yeah. movies are such shit now that I've, I'm switching to Westerns. They are so bad. They're so bad. And I love horror and they're so all fucking I. bad. I've been trying to watch them. I could tell you a couple to watch. The only ones, Speak No Evil. Yeah, like that. Watcher. That was good. See? I, what was the one where the girl was in the woods? She was deaf. Oh, yeah, Hush. Liked it. Liked it. Mike Flanagan directed Liked that. Liked it a lot. I love that you love horror. You got to come to the horror. We have a horror group that watch horror movies every Tuesday night. But we're so, I don't know, we, we're so upset now that last night we said, fuck this, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 99%, all the reviews, and we watch it and we're like, this is a piece of shit. It's all the same now. It's all Cabin in the Woods. It's all everybody. All I want to do is, I hate horror movies where, you know, um, uh, it's quite obvious you need to get out of the fucking house and you don't. <laughs> Joey, I don't get it. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's like the, the what happened in the old days where it's like, you know, you know what was the, the thing about when they, in the 70s and 80s, you didn't have like, again, we go back to the cell phones and technology. So people just couldn't pick up their phone and call the cops. They couldn't do whatever. So if you're out in the woods or you're out wherever. Well, they try to recreate that now. They I'm do, like, and it works well, sometimes. My, my but, signal's not working. Oh, like, and that's so redundant. I'm so bad. They've got to figure something else. By the way, um, you so you quit after the coma. You came out. You stopped smoking. Yeah, absolutely. That was it. You're like, I'm done. How many? Yeah, that was it. And um, and if that doesn't make you quit, then you know, then you're on your own. Um, anyway, so I was, I was, I wasn't allowed to leave Hawaii uh, for about five weeks, I think. Wow. And I was so desperate. I was so desperate to leave, but. You know, when you go into one of those, uh, when you go into a coma, when I came out, I I could remember almost everything. But the most amazing thing about it was what I remembered the most is that I had the most amazing dreams, hallucinations. I remember them to a T to this day. It was so fantastic. When I woke up, I said, how many hospitals have I been in? Because I thought, that I had been to Zurich. I'd been on a private plane flying to hospitals in Zurich, in Germany. I thought I'd done like seven hospitals. Wow. It felt like eternity. In my head. No, no. I mean, it was quite an interesting trip. Like, And I kept meeting these kind of bizarre people in, this, in that state that I was in. It was very lucid, actually. And there were times that I would come out of that dream state and I could see people that I knew, but I couldn't communicate with them. That was a little odd. That was like being stuck inside this glass bowl. Could you ever see yourself like lying in a bed? Yeah, I did. Because that they say is like when you're passing or like where you're almost close to passing, well, a lot of people will see that. I, and when I saw my, I didn't see myself in the park. Okay, so he was always there myself. I was in a German clinic and I had this crazy female German doctor who was like Bauhaus kind of thing. Let me change your diaper. Yeah, let me, no, no, change your diaper. <laughs> but we had this new treatment for you. And it was like this, because I was like, what I remember, it was hot all the time, right? And she said, we have this ice suit that you must put on. <laughs> so I had this blow up ice suit. Ice? It was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a blow up suit that it was very, very chilled. And, but it was quite uncomfortable. Hence an ice suit. It was, it was ice and very uncomfortable to wear. <laughs> it was not made by Hugo Boss, that's for sure. You know, um, 
what was I going to say? I, I, I love hearing those stories and I, I've seen documentaries on that stuff. And there's like that, what is it called? That stuff that when you die, the, there's a, there's this liquid in your head. It's called a, a HDT. A, um, yeah, I know what you're doing. But right it now. releases and it's no one knows the science is like, what is this here for? DMT. 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 And I had DMT. Well, I had a lot of DMT going on because I had. And I, like I said, I still remember them all quite specifically mm -hmm. to the point where when I woke up, I said, um, which hospital am I in now? I've been to, yeah. I've been to Germany, Zurich. Like, no, you've been here. And I went, this one hospital. And I was like, get the fuck out. No, I've been everywhere. And that's crazy. Yeah. But I also like. I guess it was more serious than I gave it credit for because I had uh, um, I had to kind of learn to walk again. And they said to me, you're not getting out of this hospital until you can walk without a walker. There's a very long corridor in the hospital. And they said, till the end of that, around the corner and come back again. When you can walk that, because I was desperate to get out. Once I got conscious, mm -hmm. I just wanted to go home. You're like, mm -mm, you're not going anywhere until you can make that walk. Well, I, at that point, I could barely get out of bed. So, but every day, I just had it in my head, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting, oh, this, it was my one thing. I hate hospitals. So, but you had willpower. You wanted to get out. You wanted to live. You wanted I, to. I, 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 had, I I'd gotten to the point, I think I was about three weeks in there or four weeks in there. And, I, and I, I'd had it, I needed to get out. So the day before, the doctor said, okay, let me see you do it. And I just, I missed it. I, I got about halfway down the hall and couldn't do it. So that night I went to sleep and I went, I don't care if it kills you, you are making that walk tomorrow. And I still wasn't ready to leave the hospital, to be honest. And he was very skeptical, the doctor. And I made myself walk down that corridor and walk all the way back and then sit on the bed and act like it was no big deal. And he and let you go. He did let me go. Because he promised me when I could do that, he would. Wow. He didn't want to. He knew I was, you know, not, probably not ready. So. Um, That's crazy. It was. It was really nuts. And really, I, it was a hard, it was a pretty hard start for my, my, my current wife. Yeah, <laughs> I would say. Um, do you, do you, uh. Do you still love acting? Do you love being on set? Do you love what you do? Yes, all the time. Really? Still I don't love everything I'm in. Well, but, of course. But I love I love mm, I love the atmosphere of a set. I love and some they're not all great, but there's always pockets of people that you will gravitate towards. And I love the collaborative atmosphere on a set and i'm not a joiner in life at all but on a set i feel like it's different it's i feel like, like it's joining i feel like it's a collaboration and a kind of especially when people want to work stuff out and i've been asked that before because i think people think you get jaded or bored or some people do but i would never in it for the money i was never in it for I mean, when I started, you know, my chances of success were like you know, bupkis, like everybody else's. I didn't think 
I didn't even care about that. I really didn't. I went to acting school. I loved acting school. I went to several. And I liked most of them. Um, and I just enjoyed getting into a piece of material and seeing what I could do different with it. Most of that stuff, when you're in acting class, it's all stuff that's been done like 900 times. So you, I would always try to find something like, what way hasn't this been done? And in what way can I kind of pick this apart and maybe reassemble it in a way that's different? Or your parents supportive? Like your dad was an auto mechanic, right? My dad was a mechanic. And so so was my grandfather. And I, I can't imagine it. Like if it, you know. My father didn't speak to me for years. Because of the acting? Yeah. He was that upset with you? Absolutely. In fact, when my, when his friends would say, when, you know, he, they'd say to him, my father's name was Eddie. And they'd go, uh, Eddie, how, how you boys doing? He'd go, ah, Jonathan, he's going to be a doctor. He's going great. Uh, my, brother, my son, Michael, he works in the business with me. And then he just stopped. What? <laughs> and people would say, what about your oldest son? And he'd go, huh? You just was but not. what about when you had success? Did it change? Well, yeah, but see, that wasn't any good though because that didn't was it meaningful? Not to me. Were you kind of like, where were you? I didn't say. Listen, I did treat him that way, but I didn't. I didn't. Oh yeah, no. My father and I had a had a fairly open, combustible relationship, and that's before acting. You know, we, we it wasn't we, great. I'm the oldest son. So, you know, Italian father, the oldest son is responsible for the other fucking two. Like, so your two brothers, right. if they fuck up, it's your fault. So you, they never catch it. You catch everything. And so, because yeah, apparently, according to him, you're supposed to know better. And it's like, <laughs> uh, but I'm 12. How the fuck should I know better? So you had a lot of pressure on you growing up. Yeah, I, I mean, it was. Was he a big guy? This is the thing. He wasn't. He was about five foot eight. Um, he was from uh, um, from uh, Calabria. Uh, he was a mechanic, and he had hands like rock. He'd been do he went to work when he was eight as a um, apprentice mechanic. And where he lived, he worked for like you know those guys in the beginning. And you know when he did something wrong, they would throw spanner at his head. You know, like that's how he grew up. Jesus. Right? And, but he, so he was tough. He was a very tough man. And when he put a, he had hands like rocks. And when he put a hand on you, man, you knew it. So you got hit. Oh, sure. Like he, he wouldn't mess around. You, you messed around. You're going to get smacked. My father and I. Yeah. Did you ever stand that, up to him? I'm about to tell you. That All story. right. I'm about to tell you that story. <laughs> Now, during this time, all I wanted in life, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. So all my time was devoted to playing soccer. And so, like, you know, I, I, I got signed professionally um, as a backup goalkeeper when I was 16. I was quite young. Yeah, for like a big league, right? It was in first Australia at the time. Yeah. It was the National League. And, um, and Adelaide. Adelaide yeah. City. Adelaide City, mate. <laughs> we were doing that right before you came. Yeah. Like Adelaide, Brisbane, Adelaide, Sydney, Adelaide, Gold Coast, Adelaide. Melbourne. Well, Adelaide, <laughs> Adelaide, you know, we get into Adelaide if you want. Just like you know, that's like uh, most serial killers, most serial killers per capita in the world. 
Adelaide. Adelaide. But it's got lovely parks. I've been there twice. <laughs> Have you? Yeah, I liked did you, it. Did you know about the serial killers? I didn't. I won't be returning. No, but go ahead. The, Tor- the Torrance River used to have floaters going down it all the time. Oh, my it did. God. It's interesting because my wife came with me. My, my current wife came with me. I call her my current wife because you never know. <laughs> and um, My future ex-wife. My future ex-wife. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. She's current. And uh, she's such a good sport. And she came to Adelaide with me because I was doing something there. And um, she would say, without me saying anything, she said, I went for a bit of a run down by the, by the, the river. The, the tar- What's the river called? I forget now. The Torrance? No. I don't know. Just I don't know. make Whatever. it up. No one knows. It goes through the city. And there's all these, it, listen, it, it's also one of the most beautifully planned cities. Parks everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this city, this river runs through the middle of it. And um, there's a particular part of it that has a pretty dark history. And she would say to me, I don't know what it is. I don't like running down there because it just kind of creeps me out. There's something there. I said, you have good instincts. Many people have floated right past that bridge. Oh, my God. There was a spate of, of, of murders, especially of young boys. Jesus. A ma- massive amount. Um, one, one of the greatest unsolved cases in Australian history, still not solved. Is a, a case called the Beaumont Children, where three children, three siblings, one was uh, four, four, seven, eleven. Um, they went to the beach because back then, listen, you just go went. No one, yeah, no one. My were brother worried. and I used to leave the house at six in the morning, and and <laughs> didn't come back till six in the evening. Right. And God knows what the hell we got up to, you know. We, that was the same way. 80s. It's like just be home by 10. Just be whatever. Home. Yeah, yeah. Just be home for dinner. But so these three kids. So these three kids were were kidnapped from a crowded beach and no one ever saw them again. And they've never caught the guy. You might have my own suspicions because at one time I wanted to do a movie about it. But I was I, it was suggested to me that I should not. Wow. Um, go back to your father. I want to hear that. Yeah, my father. You had the my, fight my, with your father. You want to hear my, this, Ryan? My, my, my father. Okay, so. My father, like, you know, listen, he was a larger-than-life guy. He, everything was extremes for him. He was a mechanic. He worked hard, but he played hard. He gambled a lot. So we all always broke or flush, broke or flush, broke or flush, broke or flush all the time. So, but, you know, when he was on a bad, not a drinker, but big smoker, but when he would be on a bad run, watch out and um, not a happy person no not happy at all and so you know i i i was so in tune with this guy that when i was a kid like you know under 10 maybe we had a gravel driveway and he'd pull up in the car and i could tell from his footsteps on the crunch on the gravel what mood he was in you get so in tune with What's coming your way? So visual and audible. It's like, man, holy shit. And I'd, be, I'd hear that crunch, I was gone. You knew to get out of the I house. I got out of the house. Anyway, so like there were quite a few times where, you know, I, even as a, here's what happened. I'm playing soccer. I'm getting bigger. I'm working out in the gym. I'm like starting to get like really, like you never know now, but like I was starting to get really in good shape. And so I think I was about 16. 
And he, we got another disagreement about something because I could never shut up. If he said something <laughs> I thought it was stupid, I would go, well, that's just stupid. And, uh, and that was enough to set him off. And so he got me up, he had me up against, he had me up against, uh, he had me, I had a t-shirt and a pair of shorts on. And he had me by the t-shirt. He had it ripped up like that, like that. And I remember just thinking, that's fucking it. No more. And I grabbed him and I shoved him up against the wall. And I said, you're never fucking touching me again. And he, his eyes, I've never, like Marty Feldman. They, <laughs> oh, they came out of his head. And you think that was the end of it? Fuck no. There was a big a carving knife on the table. So he grabs the knife. What? And he starts coming after me. With Are you serious? 100%. And if he'd have caught me, he would have stabbed me. But I, I knew it too, because at that moment, I realized that maybe pushing him up against the wall wasn't that great an idea. So I, I God. So I ran. It was like a cartoon. I ran through. Uh, we had a screen door, and I ran through the screen door through the screen, like like my shape was in the in the screen. And, I, and it was nighttime, and I took off. I had no shoes on. I had a ripped T-shirt down the middle, and I'm walking around the streets of my neighborhood, right, thinking, "Oh Jesus, I don't know where I'm going. I know where to go. I don't know." I just can't stay out here for a bit, I guess. And then this cop car pulls up next to me, and they go, "What's going on? What are you? What are you? What are you doing out here?" I said, oh, "I'm just taking a walk. It's about one in the morning. I'm just taking a walk." And they, "How'd you rip your t-shirt?" I said, "Oh, you know, I just it's ripped. It's like that already." And um, they kind of got it. They knew, so they got in the. They said, "Where do you live?" I said, yeah, get in the car, blah, blah, blah. And then when we got to my house, they said, do you want us to come in? And I said, no, I think I'll be all right. And um, so they dropped me off. They got, they knew. And what did dad do when you got in? Well, here's the thing, right? The house is dark. It's got to be like two in the morning by now. House is dark. And I think, wow, he's gone to bed. That's great. So I, I kind of go in the house quietly and I get to my room and I open the door. And all I see is this little bright orange tip of a cigarette. cigarette in the corner. Just, and he's like, you back, huh? And I'm like, yep. He said, we're going to talk about this in the morning. <laughs> and he left. Oh, but, my God. But he, we, he, never, he never touched me again. You know, my friend Joe. Has a story just like that. Like his dad would always do this. He said he had a finger that was steel and he would poke him in his chest and it would hurt and he'd bling. And one time he did it and Joe grabbed his finger and said, Never touch me again. Yeah. Because he had grown. He was wrestling and all that. I've heard that story many a time. I Unfortunately, uh, I was the shortest. I was so, I was five foot four when I graduated high school. My dad was six five, two twenty five. I grew nine inches or eight inches in the next year on my way to college. Wow. But my dad, I, I couldn't do that. I, I tried to stand up to him, but like, what am, what am I? Yeah. I mean, it was just impossible. I, I didn't have the size. I didn't have the, you know yeah. what I mean? But, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting change in dynamic. He still, our relationship wasn't any better, but that part of it was over. And the interesting thing is, he never did that with either of my other two brothers. Just you made an example. Because it was, it's a thing in Italian families where the oldest is supposed to take responsibility 
for all shit from the age of nine years old. And I figured it out later mm -hmm. in life. He went to work when he was eight. So for him, your childhood ended at eight or nine. That's it. Wow. You know, you got to be more responsible. Did you, do you look back and you think, I love my dad. It was tough, but, or was it when, when he passed, were you, was, I was there. Was it hard? <sighs> I want to be honest. No. Wasn't. No. He had um, cancer and he, um, he had had, a, they did this arthroscopic surgery on him two years before. And they said that, you know, they came, the doctor came out and said, look, we got, I think we got most of it, a lot of it, but I think it's going to come back in maybe two years. Should we tell him? And we all said, no, no don't tell him. Let him feel like, and it, because if you told him, he'd think about it. Uh, well, I know my, I know my dad. He would have obsessed on it. So um, I wouldn't tell him, and um, he was quite happy. But to the day, two, two years. years later, he came back, and there was no fixing it this time. And uh, my father was a guy that did not want to die, at all. How old was he? I want to say late seventies. Late seventies. It's pretty not, young now. That old. I'm no. not that far away from it. He 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 just did not want to go, and he was so pissed off because his mental faculty, you know, such as it was, was still there, and but his body was starting to fail him, and it's just some really interesting stuff. And I, and I went back, and all, all my brothers, we all dropped everything. We'd done it several times. We'd gotten these calls before. You know, your, 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 your old man's dying, come back. And we go back and he'd be fine. You know, like he'd <laughs> right. make a recovery. Right. So it was a bit of a joke. But this time we knew it wasn't. So the two of us, three of us went back. And um, he did not want to die in a hospital. So we got him out of the hospital. We took him home. And um, it was just really, uh, it was, our relationship, I, this is the thing I think you have, this is part of you as a kid. You know, part of me felt like, oh, this is the moment where we reconcile. This is the moment where he tells, he me, tells me, you know, I'm sorry about all the bullshit that I did and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And it just never came. And I have to tell you something, I was relieved that it didn't come because I wouldn't have known what to do with it. I wouldn't have known who that guy was. I'd never, who it's never who he was. He was unapologetic to the end. He just was that way. And so we had that difficult relationship right up, right up to the last day. You know, like there was uh, a time when he was in a hospital, my two brothers were there and, and he's in this enormous amount of pain. And he's taking um, uh, Advil. They've given him every great drug known to man to kill the pain. And he won't take it. Doesn't believe in them. Drugs that I said, just tell me where they are because I'll take them. N no problem. I, 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want to watch this. Anymore. Right. Do you know what I mean? So we got into a fight one night in the hospital, and uh, I said to him, "You know, this is driving me nuts. You could this pain medication. It's it's designed so you don't have to suffer like this. And I'm not fucking taking it." Ba-da-da-da-da-da. And I said, "Well, I'm not gonna. I don't feel like watching it." So I, I left the hospital room. And I'm leaving. He's going, you get back in here. This is to tell you everything about my dad. It's brilliant. I have respect for my dad. Um, so my second brother comes down. I said, I'll come for a walk with you. Just let me go up and talk to dad for a minute. So he goes up and he talks to my father. And uh, he comes down. He said, um, dad told me to give you a message. And I said, what's that? He said, you told me to go fuck yourself. <laughs> Oh my and God. I laughed. I did what you did. I laughed. <laughs> and I went, oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? And so, you know, we oh. went for a walk. But it was, it was, a, it was a very hard board relationship. Do you, do you think, me. though, if you, in your gut, do you think, I know my father loved me in his own way? Or do you not really believe that? It's interesting. I've never, I've never asked me that question before. I guess on some level, yeah, but uh, I, it, it, we just did not have a, that kind of relationship. No, it's just, just what it was. That's how it was. It was what it was. It was like, um, I, you know, I could have been a 40-year-old mechanic that worked alongside of him. And it was wouldn't have changed. Not really. I don't think so. But my brothers have a totally different experience with him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. sometimes we fight about you know, the 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 perception of my father. Right. Right. And 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 uh and I I don't fight with them, they fight with me. I'm like, hey, listen, it's easy for you guys to say, I was I was copying shit for your shit. <laughs> so of course it was fine for you. Yeah. Um but I I also don't hold it against them either. Right. I don't have I don't have feelings of resentment against him or you have at, to let that go or it will point, destroy you. I did have those feelings. Yeah, sure. Me too. Like my, I, I think my initial feelings. impetus like to succeed in anything yep. was because my father told me approval, all the time. Approval. My father told me on a daily basis that I would never amount to shit. On a pretty daily basis. And um That's hard. And so internally, nah, but he was good for me. Internally, I'd be like, really? We'll see, motherfucker. We will see. And um, and so that drove me. I think in the first part of my career, that really was like the rocket fuel. I can wow. say it now. I don't think I realized it so much at the time. But you're almost like, thank you for that. In a way. It, it was an unintentional gift. But yeah, it hardened me up for a business. That you need to have some hide. This is not an easy business. I no. love, you know, like reality shows and stuff. have kind of diluted the difficulty of like really being an actor and the take, amount of content and the streaming services. Taking that. it out of, you know, what, I mean, look, I, I have nothing against reality. I can't really watch it because I'm just not interested in the boring shit that they're talking about. Right, right. right. They're just talking about like such minutiae problems. Well, they're like, you know, sucking on a 95 carat diamond ring or something. It's like, 
I don't fucking care. No, I know. I, I just don't <laughs> care about your problem. Yeah. And um, you don't have one. You know, yeah. I won't mention the obvious that sit around eating salads sounding like cats all the time. <laughs> well, well, well. Hey, let me well, ask you. Well. We haven't really talked about your career. Yeah, which that's, I, but that's not what the podcast is. I like to talk about life and shit. Yeah, but like I know too. you want to look. You want a Tony and a Golden Globe and an Emmy. Is there that that sort of ego that's like, I want an Oscar and then I want them, that I got them all. One hundred percent, hundred percent want that. I would love it. I have to earn it, but I would love that. Absolutely, I won't lie. You, yeah, I, I watched the when you won your Golden Globe, and I just was. You just look so happy and confident like so appreciative too it was nice yeah to you didn't see me win the tony it was much different <laughs> oh really no i was like i was so not sure i was so sure i was not winning that that year that when it when they called my name i swear to god it was at radio city music hall and it was like you know you see movies where they do like the amorphic lens and everything goes Burp. that's exactly what happened to me so i got on stage i forgot to thank the director i forgot of course allison jaddy I forgot, I don't know what the fuck I said. Uh, it's just like this whole blur. And, um, but it meant a lot. Yeah, of course. It meant a lot to me. You know what it is for me? I haven't won many awards. I mean, awards that aren't like, you know, a Saturn award. It wasn't a Golden Globe, was it? But- Do you know what? It's an acknowledgement. It, exactly. I think it was just like, hey, someone saw something in me that they appreciated. That's yes. nice to know that I'm doing something right. Yeah, and I and I as I said when I started, I didn't I I had no expectations of even working. So everything that's ha everything that happened, although there is that weird thing that happens in the beginning when you're younger. Like I went from seven or eight years of act theater classes and doing off 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 into the river. New Broadway. Jersey Broadway. New Jersey Broadway. <laughs> Some, you know, I did. I can't remember. The theater was so small. I, I, there was an actor yeah, named I've done that. Bobby Pastorelli. I don't remember. If you remember Bobby? Bobby was an amazing actor. He used to play Eldon on Murphy Brown. Oh, wow. painter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember him. So Bobby was a real, he was a great friend of mine. And he was kind of like, that's, a, I have a bunch of tattoos. And I, I got my first tattoo. Because Bobby said, hey, Anthony, you want to go to uh, Patterson, New Jersey? <laughs> We're going to get a tattoo from my tattoo artist, Calamity Jane. And I'm like, sure, Bobby, I'll go. <laughs> so I go. I'm not intending to get a tattoo. And Bobby's laying on the chair, and he's getting a giant wolf oh, no. at the moon on his chest. Oh, he had tons God. of tattoos already. Right. Right. And he's like, and he's laying there, and he looks like he's in no pain whatsoever. None. Right. And He's going, uh, and he's chatting away, and he's laughing with me and whatever. And he says, hey, you want to get a tattoo? I'm, I'm buying. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on. Okay, well, just a little one. Get a little one. Get a little one on your arm. He said, yeah, look, look at that wall. Pick one off the wall. And so I'm looking at these, you know, like, I don't know, shit from, you know, trying all that about tattoos. And so I look at one, and it's like, it's a dagger with a snake. And, and something else. But it's only about like that big, right? And so I'm thinking, ah, I'll get that. It's small. It'll be okay. Whatever. I get in the chair. You cried like a bitch. I didn't cry. I started sweating. I was, 
I started, <laughs> I started going into a flop sweat. Like the pain was relentless. It wouldn't, end, it wouldn't let up. <laughs> and he just sat in the chair laughing his ass off. But like he was, he was such a funny, great guy. I love that. Do you still keep in touch with like, you know, certain actors from certain projects like uh, Empire Records? Do you still talk with any of those guys, or was that kind of like a? Because that was such a great cast. You've been in so many things with great casts. I wonder because I, I met your best friend. What's his name? Out here. Which one? The one out here who's waiting for you. Oh, Jorge. Yeah. Rory? Jorge. 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 George. 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 Jorge. George. Um, and you guys have been friends 20 years. And it seems to me like, you know, you don't have a lot of actor friends. You like, you know, you don't. I don't. You don't, do you? No. And it's not because I don't like them. <clears throat> the truth is, once you all start working. Look, okay. So there was a time in New York when I would walk into an audition room before any of us started booking. And it would be. John Turturro, me, Stanley Tucci, and Vince Spano, and another guy. I can't remember. Platt? Maybe. No, he was different. We were different. We were all, we were all Italian. Ah. So we were all the ah, Italian ones. Ah, gotcha. And it got to the point where we walk in the room and we go, ah, you're here. Well, one <laughs> of us gets it. Right. You know, and one of us would get it, you know, and it would kind of rotate around. Right. And um, I'm still friends from then with Stanley. Tucci. Um, although he's like, he's blown up so big now. He lives in London. He's got a beautiful wife, got a bunch of kids. And um, so his life is, you know. All right, people get busy. People have their own lives, but there's, if you I saw you, him, but you'd this be like. Is, well, I do. I visit him sometimes. When I go to London, I go have dinner with him and his wife and stuff. But, but there's not a, a, a regular, there's not a regular thing because you're all on different schedules. And, but I'm the kind of person, like if you're my friend, if I don't see you for a year or two years, it's okay. Yeah, I don't get upset about it. And when I see you, it's like, it picks up where it left off. Yeah. A lot of people don't feel the same way. A lot of people get upset if you don't return a phone call yeah. or, yeah. And I'm, I hate that. You gotta be understanding. It's like, hey, uh, and I'm, not I'm a, here. I'm not, a, I have to admit, I mean, if you had the right friend, you don't reach out as much. I'm not. A, I don't. <laughs> you're not a reach. You're not a Jack Reacher. I'm not. <laughs> I'm actually. I'm really happy with my own company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like. I don't. I don't. You don't need a lot of people. Very few. You need. You need it to be night when everybody else goes to bed. Yeah. You need a. You know, Jorge hang out. No, Jorge doesn't hang out. He doesn't. No, 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 no. He sleeps. <laughs> Everybody sleeps. <laughs> Everybody sleeps. Everybody it's sleep. not even him. Everybody sleeps. All right, listen to this. This is called Shit Talking with Anthony LaPaglia. Oh. This is my top tier patrons that give back to the podcast. They're devoted diehards. I couldn't do it without them. This is rapid fire. Yeah, take a drink of coffee. So this is going to be, I'm going to ask a question. It's rapid fire. You answer fast. Okay. Um, thank you. Go to patreon.com slash inside you. Thank you, guys. You know I love you. All right, Katie B. Mr. LaPaglia. By the way, how many people say, Mr. LaPaglia? Everyone. Okay. All right. That was my question, by the way. Mr. LaPaglia had an epic guest run on Fraser, and I saw it. What was it like stepping into that and working with that tight group of actors? Amazing. They accepted me right away. From the first reading, I got laughs, and they kept writing the part bigger for me. And you won an Emmy. And I won an Emmy. Maya P., what is your advice for maintaining longevity in the business? let go when you're up for a project 
when you read something you really like and you know that you could play it and you know all that stuff that actors think. When it doesn't go your way, give yourself that afternoon and let it go and move on to the next thing. Be like, be like a shark. I love it. House of Joel. What are the crazy memories from Empire Records? And do you have a favorite song from that great soundtrack? Oh my God. My craziest memories I have were of, uh, we were at a CVS or something like that. And those kids were nuts. Rory Cochran. Uh, Rory was actually one of the saner ones, but Ethan, he won't mind me saying this. I Sometimes I still text Ethan, but like Ethan Embry and um, the other kid. Um, I see him too. He's grown up and he's, he's pretty good at it. Yeah. Oh, Johnny Whitworth. I, I don't I know. I don't hear from Johnny much. Oh. It's the other, he had a smaller role. And this kid, I remember him so well because he drove a golf cart. I had a brand new, <laughs> um, a brand new, for uh, Bronco. Right. And in the first week of shooting, him, uh, what was his name? Sean? Um, um, uh, there was. I used to call him Ratface. He, he, Coyote Shivers? No. No. Brendan Sexton? Yes, Brendan Sexton. Yeah, I worked with him too. I love Brendan. I worked with him years ago. Brendan Sexton is a great kid. Yeah. Anyway, he destroyed my, <laughs> my Bronco with a golf cart. Like, second day I had it. Did you want to kill him? Yeah, kind of. Um, but um, the the craziest stuff I remember is Ethan, and it might have been Brendan, Ethan and someone else. We were at a CVS. Um, uh, Ethan got a hold of like a, a a fake gun. It was orange, an orange fake gun in the CVS. Might have been a flare gun or something. Oh no! And he ran out into the parking lot and was like pointing it at people. The next thing I know. I walk outside and, you know, this was in North Carolina. So the North Carolina State Troopers, they don't fuck around. They had those boys on their back, on their, on their stomachs and handcuffs and in jail. In jail. They went to jail. In that, that day. And, and, and the, the producer, poor, I forget his name, poor guy. Who's the flare gun? It's a flare gun. No, no, no. But like everybody got freaked and I'm just standing there watching the whole thing. You but this has been going on. They've been fucking around for the whole movie. You know, so this is not a big surprise. So I'm just standing back watching it, thinking, that might straighten you out. It didn't. But, um, <laughs> it might straighten you out. It might straighten you out. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. And his favorite song from it? Oh, it's been, you know, I never watched the things I'm in, so I don't really remember. Uh, let's see. If you chop, toss out a coat. I'll tell you what I do remember. Liv Tyler was probably one of the nicest human beings oh. I'd ever met in my life. She was so sweet and so completely genuine. And this is, I think, before she found out, like, who her dad was. Um, I think that was just happening or something. Really? She didn't know? No. She, she didn't, didn't know, know. Stephen? I didn't know that. No, she didn't. No, I'm, oops. Uh, no, well, she, I'm sure that that's I think, out I think, there. I think, Todd, was it Todd Rundgren brought her up and and... Anyway, she, yeah, I don't know the story. But when you look at her, you go, yeah, okay, that's Stephen Tyler's good. But um, I didn't think that at the time. You know, I remember her being incredibly sweet. Um, I'm looking at the songs here. Are you looking at them? No, I was looking at them too, yeah. Um, uh, it was a good soundtrack, I think. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jim Blossom's Toad the Wet Sprocket. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff <laughs> from back then. so right. Uh, Cracker. Cracker, I love Cracker. This was like a oh, the ballad but, of but the movie. The movie was just like a free for all. It was. It was fun. It was. You know what? It, 
<laughs> this is the thing. This is angry Anthony, right? Because, and you can't tell in the movie, but I was not a happy camper. Because the movie, when I got the script, it was like full of like drug references and smoking dope and people getting high and all this stuff. And Got too the, PG for you. Director Alan, no, it wasn't. The studio, the day before we started shooting, the studio went, we're taking all that stuff out. It's PG now. And I, I and the kids were like, ah, fuck it. They didn't care. Whatever. They didn't know. But I was like, wait, this changed the entire like movie. This was it was not a musical when I started it. And and so it took me a while to wrap my head around the fact that I'm now in a completely different film than the one I thought I was. Did you try to get out of it? No. But I was not happy. Uh, you know, um, I was committed to it. And so I thought, I'm going to do my best to make it work. And it took me a, a, a week or two to, to and, and then, you know, what what really kind of shat me the most was the director, Alan Moyle, was trying to make that okay. Instead of saying to me, look, it's fucked up. And it's not the direction I want to go in. He got all happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, oh, we're going to make a fantastic movie anyway. And I was, and I was like, and I was like, uh, you, you know, it's so, uh, and you know, this Renee Zellweger was in it, and these were all kids that were all really talented, but they needed direction. And I remember doing a scene, look at me telling these dirty stories. I, I remember being in a scene in the film, we were all in the record store, and we rehearsed it. No, we didn't rehearse it. Alan wants to shoot it. And so we shoot it. And the kids all line up against the wall, don't move, and say their line standing against the wall. Doesn't and I'm no depth, no. And I'm walking around the office, and then he goes cut, and he goes, "Ah, that's not bad. Let's go." I mean, what do you mean that's not bad? Nobody's doing anything. You got to give them an attention, give them an action, give them something to do. Like in the did scene, he finally do it? Not, not, uh, not, uh, not before we had like a good, good yelling man. <laughs> <laughs> you try to tell me how to direct my movie? I said, yes. Yeah, actually. Actually, I am. And I never do that stuff. Yeah. I no, never, I heard that you're the nicest, best guy to work with from I, many people. I never do that stuff. And, and it, it's only when I see something. Incompetence. Well, like, or not well, lack of caring. Well, just he wanted to be friends with every, with all uh, the young actors so much that I think that it, it, it distracted him. I don't think he's a bad director. I just think he... I know he, what you're saying. And he also enabled them with their mm. bad behavior a little bit. And um, that kind of, that didn't sit well with me either. I, listen, I, I, it, even when I started, I started with, you know, really kind of serious people. Kim Stanley, you know, was one of my acting coaches. She was one of the most amazing actresses on stage in New York ever. People who are old enough still remember her performance in The Three Sisters in 1963. Yeah. You know, that's someone who really... And I got, I was lucky. I got to study with a few people like that. And the, the seriousness of what you were doing was always impressed upon me. Not necessarily by telling me, but by the environment that I was in. And it wasn't like wanky, oh, aren't we so great? Actors, it was like, no, this is work. Let's do the work. Let's do the work. 
Let's really focus. There's on nothing wrong with that. No, no, I, and that's that's the only thing when I work on a set. I'm very pro crew. I love the crew because mm -hmm. they work their asses off. They get there first. They leave. They leave last. Yep. I got the easy job. I usually have. If I ever have issues, it's more with upper management, creative or whatever. Not, not even creative. The creatives are usually not bad. It's the upper management above that who are like. We're running do that out of slide. Let's do it faster. Yeah, that's the worst. Oh, and working on a series, yeah. And, and you know, my argument always is: look, we can do it, and it's a bit darker, but it's really good. We could do it in the light, and it's shit. I don't know which one do you want. You know, whichever saves us money. Moving on, and that's what really gets me. It's yeah. like I want quality. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah, go. And this is a quick question. I have to know this, Ryan. I have to know. Is this a true story? That you were cast in Django Unchained and you left because it was out of control, or is that just bullshit? That's bullshit. It is. I was cast in it, but I couldn't do it. Why is that? Because I hope Quentin's listening. Because I loved him. All right. Oh well, yeah, I love him. I loved him, and I went in, and I read with Jamie Fox. We had readings and stuff, and I was so pumped to do it. Right, and what happened was they had problems on Django. They kept pushing. They kept pushing my part. They kept pushing my part. They pushed it for like months. And then I got another job. And and they, as soon as I got that job. We're ready for you. Quentin's ready. For, and I'm like, Quentin, I, get, uh, I said, I have to not do it because before you told me you were ready, I committed to this other job thinking that this was going to continue. Nobody told me that you were close to heated. How did, it, did you talk to him about it? He never, I don't think he ever spoke to me again. I bet he forgot about it now. I, bet, I bet it's okay now. He has, a, <laughs> he has a pretty amazing memory. Like he knew all my movies. Well, I bet he. I bet he's forgiving and understood and maybe didn't talk, call you or talk to you about it, but was disappointed because no, he my, wanted you. My, I got the sense that he was upset that I. he felt like I made the wrong choice. That I should have, by then... It was a film, it was an Australian film that had got all its funding based on my name. Right. So I really, I, I sat there and kind of did the logical math. Would I like to be in, in one of Quentin's movies? Of course I would. But this movie, if I pull out of it, they're going to lose their financing. And I felt responsible to that. I knew me not being in Django, Quentin wasn't going to lose one cent no. in financing because I wasn't in it. Let me ask you this. Lastly, I got to ask you this and I'll let you sure. know as I know this. No, you can ask me. By the way, this is awesome. Your stories are just fucking awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I was like, again, one of those guys that I go, oh, he's got to come back. He's got so many stories. We'll get into it. Yeah. yeah anytime. But, anytime. Seriously. But. Um, Scratch the tip of the ice. I know. It's, I, I just, I touched on a little, a lot, little, <laughs> a lot of little things, but, yeah. but some important things. Like I like the stuff with the relationship and your dad and all that. But I want to ask you. Because I know you worked with him, and I know a lot of things came out about. I, for, I forgave my dad, by the way. Just to, just so you know, I, at the end. yeah, so yeah, yeah. The end, so you know, at the end, I, 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 not so much forgave, but understood, accepted. Where, well, especially last year, I went back to his village, where he grew up, and everything made sense. Wow! In Bavolino, in uh, in Calabria, in Italy, and the people in Bavolino, welcomed me to that town 
Like I was a returning warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I got a key to the city. Oh my god! I know, and I thought, oh, if my dad could see this, he'd be pissed. He'd be so pissed <laughs> you off. Fucking asshole, dad idiot! Tell him to fuck off, dad idiot! Got a key to the city. <laughs> I busted my ass. He's an actor. All right, so you worked with Bill Murray on Broadway, didn't you? Oh no. Okay, here's what happened. I did a after. Uh, World Trade Center. World Trade Center. I did a play. Bill Murray was doing a play with Sigourney Weaver. It was it's more of a reading kind of play, but it was quite powerful. Mm -hmm. It's called The Guys. Right. And I got a call um, saying, because um, uh, Susan's husband, Jim, was a theater guy. <laughs> I got a call saying, um, we'd like you to come in and replace Bill. He's got to leave. Oh. And you come in and replace Bill. And um, um, I was like, yeah, sure. And then Susan Saron came in with me to replace Sigourney. Um, I'm not sure. So you're not sure you're actually, you never really, you never worked with him? I've never worked with Bill. I would have loved to have, but I mean, I, even now I know he's in trouble and shit, but whatever. Yeah. People get in trouble. Um, <laughs> people get in trouble for bad actions sometimes. People get in trouble. Look, I don't, I, listen, here's the thing about um, reporting and hearsay. Um, I, I find it not to be particularly reliable. There's two sides to the story. I'm not ever saying um, if there are complaints from women about being harassed, I take that. Seriously, I, I had heard that, but I'd always heard it in this kind of like affectionate, curmudgeonly way that Bill was a bit grumpy. He's also in one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Lost in Translation. Oh yeah, I love that movie, and I think his performance is incredible. brilliant. No, no doubting, he's a brilliant actor. Yeah, but I had I had heard he was a bit curmudgeonly and all that stuff and i was like oh, whatever richard dreyfus supposedly said he was a monster on what about bob a monster i i i don't i don't I, I, I've, <laughs> I've worked with richard was and richard I, a monster no he's great right? no no he's the most highly energetic enthusiastic yeah he's actor actor friendly guy i really enjoyed working with him did you have you ever worked with any and you don't have to say but brief, just any assholes, any guys like that are big stars that you're like, this son of a bitch. I'm just gonna do my part. I'm gonna do what I do and fuck him, fuck her, whatever it is. No, no, no. I replaced somebody who was an asshole, and I heard about what, <laughs> what an asshole he was. I'm not saying who it was, um, but I have never worked with someone that. I've worked with some difficult people. Like I, I worked with, at that time, he had a reputation, and I'll say because I love him, Val Kilmer, right? And I worked with Val, and this is the true story. On the first day that I meet Val, he comes out and he's wearing, he's got like this pristine white T-shirt that says, uh, what was that movie he did with De Niro? Uh, Heat? Heat. No, it's got a beautiful white, t-shirt and he's got a cup of coffee and i'm standing there talking to the director and he comes up and i've got like this kind of like i don't know like nylon uh jacket or something on 
And he comes up, he's got a cup of coffee. He puts his arm around me and starts pouring the coffee down the front of my jacket while I'm talking to the director. And I just look at it and I just get it and I just wipe it all over his nice white t-shirt. <laughs> and that set up a good relationship. Really? Yeah, I didn't get upset. I just wiped the coffee back on his t-shirt. And and <laughs> I think a lot of people, and he, he probably would have even said he was having a, having a pretty difficult time at that time. Yeah. And he there was some big blow-ups on that set. And but me personally, I didn't have a problem with him. That's awesome. And and you know, he would come into my trailer and he would say things to me like, now listen. Man, I want you to um, see these ring. He had all these big rings on. He's like, I think that you should wear this ring in this scene because it represents X, Y, and Z, and blah blah blah. And now, what I know is, the shot we're about to do is the three of us standing on a hill in silhouette against the sun. So I go, give me the ring. That's great. <laughs> no one gives a shit. No one's going to no see, see it. It made him happy. And you know, I love it, it. It made him happy. Man, this is this has been awesome. I I loved I loved the stories. I loved having you. You didn't know me for shit, but no, through, through a mutual really, friend. You ask great questions. I have to say. Oh, thanks. I, yeah. I just wanted to hear your story, and you have such a story. So I, I appreciate it. I, I I'm going to keep in I've touch been, with I've, you. I've, I've been real lucky in in my whole whole career. Well, here's to you getting an Oscar someday. Do you know what? I would love it. If it doesn't happen, eh. but I, I'm, on your I, gravestone, I'll say I one short of the four. I, I don't. I don't. No, nah, I'll just make my own and put it on the top. <laughs> I, I, um, it's something that like um, I know, people go like oh, awards and blah blah blah. Anybody that says the award doesn't mean anything, they're a liar, because it's nice to be acknowledged by your peers. Sure, and it's. I mean, look for a lot of a lot of actors. Oscar is like kiss of death for a couple of years, mm -hmm. because what happens to I know I've known a couple of people. What happens is they win the Oscar and they go. It happened to me when I won the Tony. I went, what do I do now? How do I top this? Mm -hmm. So I didn't do theater for like a bunch of years because I didn't know how to top it. You don't try to top. You just continue to do good work. I, just, I, I didn't. I, I, I know. I'm just saying that's what you probably should do. That's exactly what you should do. <laughs> I don't know. That's exactly what you should do. But <clears throat> we're going to take your coughs out too, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Jason, make sure his coughs. He came here with kidney stones and shit. Make sure you edit that. All well, right. You can leave him in. I don't care. No, whatever. I love you. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. All right, there you go. There you have it. Uh, I hope you loved the episode. If you did, please write a review, get out on our socials, join Patreon, support the podcast. I love you. Thanks for just being here. Um, and if you missed out on a lot of stuff, I talk about the live podcast. Inside, you were doing with Zach Levi, October 11, 7 p.m. Don't miss that. It's going to be great at the Regent Theater in Los Angeles. Ryan, you'll be there. Yes, it will. Yeah. In I, some capacity. I would hope so. Uh -huh. Yeah, we're figuring that out now. Uh-huh. Also, forgot to mention this, Sunspin, my band, is playing September 16th, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll read your messages as we're playing. Well, maybe make a song of them. There's prizes. There's Zooms. There's good music. We're going to be playing all our greatest hits from our three albums, the ones that are most popular to people, fans. And I hope you join us. If you haven't listened to a concert, I think you'll really enjoy it. So just get out of your comfort zone and do it. 
Go to sunspin.com. Also, uh, if you want merch, signed Lexmas scripts and other things, uh, hoodies, go to in the Inside of You online store and get your fun merch. There's a lot of cool stuff. And sunspin.com has an amazing amount of new merch there, too. Um, lastly, mm. uh, I'm going to give the shout outs, right? Yeah. And these shout outs are from patrons who support the podcast um, in more ways than one. They don't just listen. They listen to almost every episode, if not all of them, if they're, you know, they're loyal listeners and they, they give back to the podcast, which is unbelievable. And if you want to join them, if you like the podcast and you want to support it because it's, it's, you know, I feel like it's NPR. It's like you get people to <laughs> kind of give to the podcast, but it's true. It's like to keep it going. I couldn't do it without my patrons, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash inside of you join today. Uh, tons of perks. You'll see them and uh, I'll give you a shout out and I'll also, yeah, I'll give you a shout out. I'll, I'll, I'll email you right there. Just like that. Yeah, just, just, just a little, just a little, just like that. Just like that. Just a little email. Now it's time for the top tiers of the patron. They get the shout outs and no particular order. They're all amazing people. Here we go. Ryan, ready? I'm ready. I got him here. I'll do a, a voice and then Ryan has to do that impression it's gonna be tough because i'm my posture in this new couch is uh you don't like it well i'm trying to figure it out okay maybe right. I, maybe i need the pillow what? you know what i'm good now you're good now i'm good all right nancy d <laughs> leanne Kristen, little lisa yukiko jill e brian h nico p robert b Jason W. Sophie M. Rasheen Joshua D. Jennifer N. Stacy L. Jamal F. Janelle B. Janelle B. Janelle B. Eldon Supremo. 99 more. Santiago M. Chad W. Leanne, Maddie S, Belinda N, Dave H, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Tab of the T, Tom N. Talia M, Betsy D, Angel M, Rhiannon C, Corey K, Dev Nexon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Brandy D. Joey M, Eugene and Leah, Corey Angela F, Mel S, Christine S. Eric H, Shane R, Andrew M, Amanda R. <laughs> we doing Michael Jackson? Jen B, Kevin B, Stephanie K, Jorel. Jam and J, Leanne J. Luna R, Mike F, Stone H, Kayla. Stay wild, Moonchild. <laughs> Brian L, Kendall L, Jessica B, Kyle F, <laughs> Marisol P. I'm out. Kaylee J, Brian A, Ashley F, Mary Louise L, Romeo B, Veronica Q, Frank B, Jen T, Nikki L, April R, Derek N, J, D, W. Com Bomb, Ginger, Insomniac, Rachel D, and Lorelai L. Is that the end? That's the end. I didn't even have those on here. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Oh, they're on the back page? Oh, yeah. You know what? They're on the back page. <laughs> oh, Lorelai. How you. are you? Good to see you. Shout out. 
Oh, man. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much for listening and making this podcast part of your week. And uh, hopefully you'll continue listening. That's about it for me. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum here in the Hollywood Hills of California, Ryan. I'm Ryan. I'm here, too, in the Hollywood Hills of California. A little wave to the camera, which is now lower. Oh, yeah. The camera's <laughs> lower now. We have it lower. We have a different angle. Tell us if you like the new angles. We're experimenting. We're, mix, we're experimenting. The furniture's different. Uh, give us your feedback. We'd appreciate it. And most importantly, be good to yourself. I will see you very soon. I cannot wait. Ryan, be careful of the mic stand. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.